0: hello cheers and welcome welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast the weekly show that brings you news reviews great interviews and so much more all about the world of rugby. I am your host I'm David Lawrence I'm am an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe If you would like to get in touch with me well you know what I would love to hear from you I'm on Twitter at of scrum I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast a couple others too I'm going to have to start adding to the list very soon. Uh, but you can always drop me an email at the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. So it was a huge weekend for me personally. So why don't we jump right into the show? So, as always, we start with our current updates. And I mean, obviously, my only current updates this week are about the fact that I. Flew out to Chicago to see the MLR championship game. Saturday was actually my anniversary. And my partner, amazing as always, basically told me I had to go. And that it would be my anniversary gift. Uh, I admit, I didn't argue too much. Though, to be fair, I would have greatly preferred that she and my son had come with me. Um, Although he would have been a panel the whole time. Uh, I will provide an extensive rundown of the weekend in our reviews section so fear not you'll be getting the full scoop for now though quick spoiler alert the free jacks won it's too it's too good. Have to know. well I, I, I think it's pretty cool news uh, so i saw an article about the women's premier 15s competition undergoing uh, i guess you'd call it a rebranding so from the BBC quote the women's premier 15s league will be rebranded as Premiership Women's Rugby next season the change is part of a 10-year plan for women's rugby in England led by chief executive officer Belinda Moore Gloucester Hartbury were crowned Premier 15s champions last weekend for the first time in their history in front of a record crowd of 9,600 the new look league will feature 10 clubs in partnership with the rugby football union quote our ambition is to transform the league into the world's most competitive progressive and sustainable domestic rugby competition unquote Moore said in a statement quote elite women's rugby in england has never been in a stronger place. We have just seen Gloucester-Hartbury win the Allianz Premier 15s with a thrilling victory over Exeter Chiefs in front of a record crowd in the newly named Queen's home. Uh, the, oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. The, the final was the culmination of a season which has confirmed that we have strong player talent depth as the foundation to grow the league over the next decade. The new era starts today, and the competition's new look and feel is designed to be powerful dynamic and eye-catching it aims to capture the excitement and high energy of the league the players the fans the sport as a whole unquote the, the premiership 15s was uh, the, the the premier 15s was launched in 2017 with saracens and harlequins sharing all title wins between them until this season next year's division will feature defending champions gloucester hartbury as well as current clubs exeter I think it's Loughborough, Bristol, Harlequins, and Saracens, Sale and Worcester, have been conditional offers to join, having both been omitted from the initial tender process last December, along with Leicester and Ealing. Moore, who was appointed as CEO in October last year, pointed to the success of the recent Women's Six Nations, won by England, uh, where a record crowd of 58,498 fans watched the victory over France at Twickenham as evidence of the growth of the game, quote, We believe that rugby's next era will be built on the foundations of collaboration and it's a hugely positive step to see this partnership with the RFU and the clubs to deliver what's best for the women's game, harness the current foundations and accelerate the growth of the game, unquote, more added. So my, my own personal thing while premiership women's rugby doesn't exactly, you know, roll off the tongue. I do like that. It gives them the PWR initials. Like I can already see the power branding stuff. That's definitely coming. So all in all, this is very cool news. So that brings us to our thoughts of the week. And it's weird. I, I, I feel like I'm doing something different this week just because I don't know. I feel like I got a little up in arms about it. Uh, anyway, my thoughts this week are actually on johnny sexton who has a hearing tomorrow sometime you know as i record this to determine what if any punishment will be levied in response to his little this little tantrum at the conclusion of the heineken cup final where he berated and some allege directly or indirectly threatened jacob piper and other officials after his team lost yet again uh, if you recall he wasn't actually playing in the match but still managed to go over and heap a pile of abuse on the lead official among others and generally made a bit of an ass of himself so okay here's the deal I am not particularly bothered about this whole thing it was stupid and obnoxious of him to to blow his stack like he did but it's behavior you know we we kind of expect from him and it's not like he took a swing at anyone right so i'm definitely not calling for a a huge suspension or anything extreme though i do think he should you know miss a, a warm-up or two prior to the rugby world cup but here's the thing so i'm not clutching my pearls over the behavior i won't be you know i, I won't be doing the same thing over any penalty that they meet out to him but what i don't like is some of the passive and prevaricating language that I'm hearing from some of the pundits that I typically enjoy listening to. So I think you probably know, I listen to multiple Irish rugby podcasts and tend to enjoy all of them. There's so much content and they're really good at it, but over the last few weeks, so one pundit in particular has really been soft shoeing and just kind of dancing around this whole thing in ways that i find frankly kind of gross so one man in particular and i'm not going to say his name here because for frankly I i would love to talk to him on the show one day but also like if you're a listener to that show you'll obviously know who i'm talking about and if you aren't then it really shouldn't matter so um but this one person in particular he's been using like ronald reagan level evasive rhetoric to spin this thing in a To me ridiculous way so when asked about the upcoming hearing and what if any punishment should come out of it he immediately went into sort of defensive mode so i'm paraphrasing here but his comments were basically well it's an unfortunate incident i'm sure if you asked him he would say he was sorry It probably shouldn't have happened in all likelihood. He regrets it. Like this kind of language makes me nuts because it it seeks to obscure and dilute the actual events of the day. It's not unfortunate because Sexton was the individual who made the decision to do this. That's not unfortunate. It's stupid it's not something that happened it's something he deliberately did and if he quote regrets it or is sorry unquote like well you know what he could say those things and he simply has not done so but the bit that really got me is the the next bit so he, he said oh yes you know maybe he got carried away but He's just so passionate. He's such a, a passionate man. And sometimes when you're that passionate about something, it might come out in the wrong way. That, my friends, and pardon the language, and I'm gonna to have to change the settings on this, that's horseshit. Johnny Sexton blew his stack. He will receive a penalty of some sort. That's really all this comes down to. So trying to make excuses for him or act like, oh, gee, that's too bad. It just, it doesn't hold water for me tomorrow, something will come of this. There will be people who say it's too little. There will be others who say it's too much. I'm sure that the truth will be smack dab in the middle. But in the meanwhile, let's not just try to soften it up and misdirect the blame. Let's just call it what it is. You don't need to say, Oh, wow. It's unfortunate. It's an incident. It's not an incident. This man decided to do this thing. He's gotten away with it for pretty much his entire career. And there's nothing corrective they can do now. Like he has one more tournament coming up, the the World Cup, and that's it. He's calling it quits. We all know it. There's no like, oh, Johnny, I hope you learned your lesson. Like it's over. So let's not prevaricate. Let's not do this game, please. Okay, that brings us to our reviews. And geez, what should I talk about? Jeez, how much was there was there rugby this weekend i feel like there was some oh that's right well 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 as i mentioned earlier i managed to get myself out to chicago this very weekend to witness the unbelievably great final between the league-leading san diego legion who are on a record-setting 14 game winning streak and my own beloved free Jacks, Who had ripped off eleven in a row themselves? So San Diego, obviously, they came in favorites with an astonishing fifteen and one record, having already beaten my team earlier in the season. The last three games of the regular season, they laid thirty-six, then fifty, then forty on their opponents, none of whom could get out of the teens in terms of in terms of their own points scored. They even smashed the other best team in the West, the Seattle SeaWolves, just last week. To a factor of more than three in a playoff game so i was once again very lucky ahead of this game to run into stacy waka i I couldn't believe it jesus she's magic we actually chatted for a little bit she she clearly had nothing to do and her handlers must have been like lost or something but uh she actually asked me how confident i was about the free jacks heading into this game i decided truth was the best policy and i told her I was concerned, but that you know, I I had a ton of faith in our coaching staff and our team's ability to make adjustments and to just be mentally right when the time came. So, speaking of the pregame, speaking of all things before the game, I mean, it was a long, full day at Seatgeek Stadium with a massive youth rugby tournament or perhaps multiple tournaments filling up the surrounding fields. It was gotta say, it was really cool to just take in that vibe. Youth rugby isn't something I've seen a lot of. And there was honestly something truly inspiring about it. There were kids as young as, I mean, I would guess six or seven, all the way up through what must've been, you know, senior year in high school, there was a palpable air of excitement and fun surrounding all of it. There were no available rugby posts, of course, for these kids. uh, So they just, had kicks going over the tops of soccer goals. And while my immediate reaction was like, Oh, that's so sad. No, I had a, I ended up with a different take, which was, wow, they don't have the proper equipment or field or markings or anything, but they're just going to play anyway. Very, very cool. Then my friends, <laughs> the epic tailgating began. I realized as more and more people showed up and started to sort of form a, a teeming throng all over the parking lot that I never actually been to a proper tailgate somehow to be honest it almost got overwhelming uh I'm just not used to that kind of crowd you know drinking (laughs) drinking that much that early in the day but uh I eventually eased into it at one point the San Diego super fans who dress up like uh, Roman legionnaires they arrived unloading their armor and fancy headgear and laboriously you know just kind of suiting up for the match. It was so cool. Those guys were super fun and interesting, all big history buffs buffs and reenactment nerds, uh, which I mean, I love nerd is not a, not a disparaging term for me. Uh, they were incredibly fun and friendly. We were talking to them about getting all that gear through the TSA checks at airports. And one of them helpfully offered, did you know that chainmail shows up as a giant black blob in the x-ray machine? And no, my friend, I did not, but I definitely do now. Some other tailgating highlights were watching fans of each team compete in a boat race, something I'd heard of, but had never actually seen. I feel like I'm looking like a super like I don't know weird Virgin right now uh but so this was all for a pregame segment that they were doing for the broadcast I have no way of knowing if it made it to air but it sh- it really should have because with one of our biggest fans finishing a full beer and I swear I swear to God like a single second to pull a come from behind win for free Jacks fans I mean, it was amazing. And I, I had no idea at the time, just how appropriate that would prove. So perhaps my favorite moment was when a listener who hadn't, I hadn't yet met, recognized me and introduced himself. That was a first for me. And it, it was so gratifying to be able to sort of put a face to one of the lovely people who take the time to actually tune in and listen each week. Simon, I have to imagine you're listening right now. So shout out to you. That was amazing. Another big highlight for me was uh, meeting some Kiwi fans who were heavily engaged in a discussion about Damien McKenzie. As I just sort of happened to walk by, I literally walked past them. Then I thought, no, I, I, I can't let that go. So I turned around, walked up to them and said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I heard the name Damien McKenzie. And I realized I couldn't just walk by without joining this discussion. We talked super rugby for like 10 minutes, maybe more, uh, man I I was just so happy I have literally no one with whom I can chat about Super Rugby so randomly finding three humans who watch and have like actual serious opinions oh it was so refreshing at that point I kind of realized this is more than just a game or a a day around a game this whole day is like Rugby Con it's like a festival or convention for people who love rugby in all its shapes and forms And if you have love for this game, bring it with you and discover like-minded new friends. Soon after that, an entire full-sized yellow school bus pulled up jam-packed with very, very drunk people. I haven't any idea who they were or what the deal was. Like many of them were wearing identical sort of semi-tropical shirts but the shirts didn't represent a team of any kind so it was kind of a mystery they weren't rugby shirts for sure but they were just there to have fun and by all accounts appeared very successful at that endeavor uh it wasn't too long after that that we all found our way into the confines of the stadium which i have to say it's a pretty cool venue uh it's significantly bigger than fort quincy so you know it felt less personal but it it's a quality stadium with Proper field markings and all the rest. I, I hope the Second City Pups can really start to fill it up next year. So, as I found my way to my seat, Shaquille O'Neal was deep into his DJ Diesel set. The obligatory crowd of sort of pre selected fans were kind of crowding around and waving their arms around like they were following him on tour or something. Uh, for the record, th- this is the third time I'd found myself in an arena with Shaq. Uh, once with my Celtics playing against him, once with him playing for the celtics and now as an undershirt wearing dj gotta say Shaq the celtic was definitely the weirdest of the three so not long after they had him come out to hand off the uh, the actual game ball which led to five articles the next day being just like can you believe how tiny a rugby ball looks in that guy's hands i mean and yeah it's true like he's like will skelton's mech or something so cool little side note i met an owner of the free Jacks before kickoff. And I got a, a tiny scoop from him. So the teams had come out to do warmups while Shaq was still in the middle of his set. And by the way, the music was bowel shakingly loud, like particularly at that side of the arena, San Diego had to go through their pregame uh, game basically in front of that madness. And there was just no way they could have t- talked to each other normally during it it really looked difficult for them. While meanwhile, the free Jacks, we were way down at the opposite side, smiling and communicating normally as they went through their normal routines. So why do I mention the owner? Because someone in his family said to him, wow, it's so loud. Can San Diego even concentrate right now? And his response was, yeah, you know what? They complained about it a lot right at the beginning, but I was like, Hey, we got hair first, tough titty which I found utterly hysterical so a little more setup for you here the forecast had been hinting at rain for days leading up to the game but it it did a little more than mist and drizzle a tiny bit in the hours leading up to the match it was borderline magical the way that even that gray haze sort of dissipated as things got underway in earnest late in the first half the sun had peaked through and sort of left me a little sunburned by the end to be fair um, there was a lot of talk and a lot beforehand by New England fans all about, no, 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 no. We we want it cold and rainy. That suits us. We're New Englanders. We want it cold and rainy. We don't want the sun. That's for them. And I have to say, I am one of those New Englanders who weirdly believes that crappy weather always kind of works out in our favor. So when the sun did, the sun did creep into the sky during the match, I honestly worried a little bit about whether or not it was an omen of some kind. Okay. So, the match itself—I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Unlike last year, it was for certain the best two teams clashing at the top level, at like a microcosmic sort of very American level. It was Toulon versus La Rochelle. Like, I didn't even leave my seat my seat once during this. It was so incredible. And here is the thing about rugby in the USA right now. Okay, in front of me, like eight seats all eight seats directly in front of me were all people from a sort of large extended family. And the row behind me, it was another eight people from the same family. So two people in front of me really knew and understood what they were looking at and and rugby in general. Every other person in the group I just described had never actually seen any rugby in any form at any level. So during the first half, this was kind of annoying because it was like, I'm in the middle of this massive crosstalk between like 16 or more people. Half of which was, what was that? Uh, And like, didn't they kick it out of bounds? Why is it their ball? And how many points are kicks worth? And so on. But the other half of the chatter was like, where's Robin? Oh, I, I think she'll be here later. Why? Where is she? Oh, she's babysitting. Robin still does babysitting, like all that kind of sort of family specific gab that tells you nobody's actually paying attention. But my friends i will tell you very honestly that changed dramatically as this game wore on they all sort of kind of started to to i guess get it a bit and score wise it was so close and so back and forth they they couldn't help but be sucked in for the final 20 or maybe 25 minutes all the side chatter had gone away every single person was on the edge of their seat when LaRue Milan slashed through for one of his classic sort of diagonal lines to flummox the Legion defense and get a second try for the go-ahead score people all around me just went bananas as time expired all the talk around me sounded like holy crap I had no idea it would be so good and oh hell yeah I'm watching this from now on and that was unbelievable all the things you want to hear As an american in the crowd my listeners outside the us must feel like well duh no kidding i I can't believe it's taking you this long to catch on but you know what this is a totally different world i got to talk with robbie knock recently and he told me how in south wales where he grew up you have to walk like 500 feet before you come across a rugby club or a pitch where a game is happening or a pitch where there's a game that you can ask to join in on and and i'm sure lots of listeners have had similar experiences to be fair I do know Americans, particularly in Boston, who've had rugby as a big part of their lives since they were kids, but I can't stress enough how much this is the exception rather than the rule. I think it's entirely possible that 50% of the people in attendance on Saturday had never seen a single minute of rugby being played anywhere at any time. And those who had probably would reference that Friends episode. My friends, this is good. This is positive. I know my team won, making it all the more enjoyable and important you know, or what have you. But the United States is going to be hosting a World Cup in the not-too-distant future. There are so many pieces that need to fall into place for that to be a success and for the Eagles to be any kind of threat at all, to even make it out of the pool stages. Even that, as I say it, I'm like, oh, wow. Getting eyes on the sport for people who have never seen it, giving them a true wow experience. Oh my word. It's vital. So, so, okay, obviously I didn't, I didn't bring a notepad into the stadium or anything. I just sat there in awe. So for the great game breakdown, I'm going to rely heavily on Joe Harvey, who wrote a nice piece for the MLR website. It's so good. And I'm just going to heavily quote him here after six months of hard work the new england free jacks have been crowned champions of major league rugby for the first time after beating the san diego legion 24 to 25. it was a hotly contested championship final in chicago which required a late try for larue milan to hand a win to scott matthew's side for the shield mitch jacobson oh god i love that guy scored the game's opening try for the free jacks at seat geek, uh, seat geek stadium the new Zealander pouncing on a miscue in the san diego back line having found themselves level pegged with their opponents the free jacks turned to the reliable boot of jason patras twice in quick succession piling the pressure on san diego however nate augsberger he then registered a 10th try of 2023 working in from his wing at the back of a lineup the usa eagle ran a line off the ever dangerous ma'ananu the distraction caused by his teammate meaning there were acres of space to exploit and with the speed the 33-year-old possesses it was a simple enough score beneath the post on the stroke of the 40-minute mark will Hooley knocked a penalty over to make the scoreline 17 to 13. the contest far from decided in response to being behind at the break, Scott Matthews Free Jacks replied in the best way possible. So a charging run from LaRue Milan ignited an attack for the Eastern Conference champions. The Namibians offload to Reese McDonald, only getting the team closer to the whitewash. This was ultimately as a result of John Poland's long flat pass to the touchline to find his Vegean teammate, which resulted in a 14th try of 2023 for the winger. Having looked dangerous the entire game, Augsburger would bag a double on the 60-minute mark, placing the ball acrobatically in the corner to retake the lead. The Free Jacks' form player, Leroux Milan, handed his team the lead once again with four minutes on the clock, scoring four tries in the last two games. The 24-year-old was in on the action again. Side note here, by by the way, outside of the quote, we only played two playoff games this year larue got four tries are you kidding me okay back to the narrative so hard carries towards the try line helped new england find good field position another pass from poland finding its mark from milan to power over with opposition players on his back literally true i was there pressed back into their own territory as the clock kicked, ticked down Patras lashed the ball into the stands after the clock passed 80 and crowned New England as MLR's winners in 2023, unquote. By the way, they asked Jason about it afterwards. They were like, so how do you feel? And he goes, I'm exhausted. So could there have possibly in any corner of my imagination been a better way to finish off this season in the MLR? I mean, the answer is nope okay well it it's amazing to me but there was actually other rugby happening it it didn't really uh you know didn't pop up on my radar too much but then as soon as i got back home i was like oh crap i missed some serious stuff the boringly named rugby championship kicked off this weekend we had of course just the two matches we started with south africa versus australia and i'll admit it i have been drinking tons of eddie jones kool-aid I don't know why, but I was totally like, "Oh, Eddie Jones is totally mismanaging this England squad," like uh, a year and a half ago. And then, within minutes of their firing him, I was like, "Oh, they're totally gonna regret that." I I literally have no rational reason why I think any of those things, but it's true. So this weekend did not represent the start to this new era that Aussie fans would have been hoping for. uh It was it was really weird actually because normally they would sort of fill the broadcast with shots of eddie and like his other fellow coaches reacting to events on the field but i i don't think the cameras caught him even once did he arrange that ahead of time did he get one-way glass installed was he even there and in any event uh so the wallabies they did score first and early on and then they scored after the clock had gone past 80 and to echo the comms quote it was everything in between those scores that was the problem <laughs> quote the aussies i mean Dang, they looked completely hopeless after Corumbete. Uh, he, he showed some early sparks. By the way, after that, like, uh, when did he score? Like, five or six minutes? When was the next time we heard the name Corumbete in this match? Like, 64 minutes? Maybe 66? It was bad. The Springboks were like a big muscly snowball. Once they sort of found that ascendancy, I mean Australia, they didn't even really fire a shot. I know it's super cliché to to talk about Michael Hooper, but damn man, like he when he's there, he's always one of the most active players on the field. They talk about work rate. I think they should call the award for best or highest work rate every single season to be called the Michael Hooper You Tried Your Ass Off Award. I love the fact that he's also at the forefront of the charge towards mental health awareness, Um, you know, because for all its warts and questionable goings on rugby does seem to have some good little sprouts, some good efforts going on about mental health awareness. And I appreciate that. So anyway, I realize that was a bit of a side note, but believe me, it was still (laughs) better than watching this actual game where the wallabies just got utterly decimated the australian podcasts i listened to were beyond bereft this week i I can't say i blame them as the as the clock ground towards 80. i couldn't help but picture noah lolcio at home just giving two middle fingers to his tv while going see see so by the end it was the home team completely destroying their guests there was there was a moment after the game where a reporter implied that south africa had actually put out like a b-side and i'm told eddie didn't react well including like berating the reporter after the press conference was all over so i don't know you might say he pulled a sexton i guess quade cooper though he said all the right things after the fact saying with every journey it's never smooth sailing under eddie's guidance we will work towards that goal which is to be world cup champions any loss is obviously a tough pill to swallow there's a hell of a lot of lessons in that game as a team we haven't had a lot of time together." It's continuing to build our combinations the way we want to play and build belief and clarity in that unquote. I like Queen Cooper. So by the end, it was 43 to 12 in favor of the reigning world champs. It almost felt like they took their collective foot off the gas though, too. Like, so two months out from the next men's world cup, South Africa and New Zealand seemed to be nowhere on anyone's radar. And i think we all might need to rethink that just a little bit that might be a mental omission on our parts so speaking of new zealand okay of course there was another match in the boringly named rugby championship it was argentina versus new zealand i was very much looking forward to this one i I reckon it would be a close one for sure the game itself was in mendoza after the fact i'm more confused than ever last week i specifically heard them say they've never played in mendoza and while i i thought it could have meant just the all blacks the implication seemed to be neither team had played there this week they said argentina had never played outside of the buenos aires province but then they said the last time new zealand played them here was 1991 I have no idea what to believe, but suffice it to say, I personally had never seen either team play here, and it was a very cool location. So, in any event, it looked like human garbage can Pablo Matera had scored a try about 40 seconds in, but Angus Gardner ruled it held up, and the Kiwis pounced, getting bang bang scores before nine minutes had elapsed, including one from Artie Savia, who appears to age like five or six years every single time he carries the ball. McKenzie, he whiffed on both conversions, however, so the score remained nil to 10. Damien was like a little bit off, if I'm honest. So momentum shifted heavily in favor of the visitors, with Jordy getting a try just a couple of minutes later. The mood of the crowd seemed to dampen considerably. After the first quarter, I could already read the frustration on the faces of Los Pumas. Quote, after a half hour said the comms it's been all new zealand unquote as Rico juane scored his 34th test try and this one was getting ugly at the break argentina were still scoreless down 31 points courtesy of five tries a tough day in mendoza it was nick sanchez 96th test cap on the day he led his squad uh, to their first try around the 50-minute mark but even the comms seemed genuinely shocked they had gotten the board at all at that point a super funny moment as Lavanini was subbed out I said to my screen hey look he's 11 leaving without actually being forced to because of a card and as if listening to me the com said Lavanini, nice to see him leaving not because of a card guys should I turn pro or what so Narawa on his debut as an all-black dotted one down for his first test try all eyes on this guy right now i hope it's not too much pressure because he is special Augustine creevy he got the final say smashing down a screw you try with the clock already gone red in, in a microcosm of how things had gone for them boff he biffed the final gimme extras just no luck on the day it was argentina 12 new zealand 41 two blowouts for the opening weekend Well, my friends, by that music, you will, of course, know it's time for this week's Diamond in the Ruck Award. And this week, the award goes to Jason Patras. Mr. Patras, I've been talking you up all year long. And for once, I mean, let's face it, I was right. You've put in yet another. 80-minute performance unleashing your trademark skip passes sneaking kicks in that confused and disoriented the san diego defense you were once again almost perfect from the tee when you came here in the offseason free jacks nation put all the pressure in the world on you to fill the boots of the departing mvp bodine waka and despite arriving in a brand new country with a month's old infant in tow you, my friend, have been an absolute rock since day one. I am so grateful for your taking the time to chat here on the Scrum of the Earth before the season even started. I very much hope to get back uh, to talk to you again about this dreamlike season. Mr. Jason Patras, MLR leading point scorer and field marshal of my beautiful New England Free Jacks attack. Congratulations. To you, my friend, for you are this week's Diamond in the rock. Well done, sir. Okay, that brings us to our updates and previews. And I hate to say it, but every league competition that we follow here has now wrapped up for another season over the course of last year we've covered you know the nbc and the fbc in new zealand the urc the gallagher premiership or whatever's left of it the top 14 super rugby pacific major league rugby there's tons of others and with my beloved free jacks winning the mlr shield on saturday we've got a few weeks before any of these competitions actually kick back into gear so that obviously doesn't mean there's no rugby oh heavens no we've still got the boringly named rugby championship there will be rugby world cup warm-ups the premier 15s here in the u.s that's still clicking away the pack four is still ongoing even my usa eagles have some fixtures in the near future but compared with like you know march (laughs) it is a desert so acknowledging that we've got a lovely little surprise for all of you the loyal listeners next week as you may have deduced if you're actually you know looking at the weekly episode numbers it's going to be our 104th weekly episode which means 104 consecutive weeks or exactly two years we've been chatting rugby in this space for those of you who love numbers that's 104 weekly episodes 88 bonus episodes and close to a listens i mean obviously not exactly squidge numbers we're looking at but hey I'm still new and I live in America in any event we'll be celebrating the two-year mark next Sunday with a special pod extravaganza featuring four different voices joining us here for serious wag, well probably an unserious serious chinwag uh we'll we'll have Lee from the blood and mud podcast frequent guests Rachel law oh she's so good and of course will Owen and for the first time patricia vieira oh my god she might dominate our entire time here but anyway it's an absolute murderer's row of funny and insightful guests i for one am extremely excited be sure to check that out and by the way to all the listeners out there i gotta say thanks so so much for your support over the last couple years if you'd actually like to support the show in ways you know besides just listening. There's always a couple of ways you can do so listed in the show notes as you finish this episode. Thank you, my friends. It's incredible. Well, my friends, that does it for another week. And as we plot on, Through sweltering summer, the rugby has almost completely dried up, but if you go up on top of your roof and, you know, you take out that telescope that you got for for your birthday like six years ago that hasn't left the box yet, even during the pandemic, when you promised yourself you'd take it out, you will see there are some bright spots on the horizon, like the NBC, the FBC in New Zealand, the heavily redacted yet boringly named rugby championship, There's other stuff going on. There's a mixed offering of international warm-ups leading to Rugby World Cup 2023. In the meantime, I have a few special guests lined up to keep us talking about rugby. So, as we wonder how many more movies we can sneak into without the pimply-faced teenager who tore our initial tickets actually noticing that we're on our sixth hour of free air conditioning, we can continue on continuing on. So... As always, my friend, thanks again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well. Freejacks, you win.